Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. Hi, welcome to the second of a set of six podcasts where I talk about fiber properties. We're looking at the physical and chemical and structural properties of fibers and how they influence the end uses. All right, so now that we have a handle on some of the basic definitions that we use to understand fiber properties, let's talk about uh, one of the main ways that we categorize fibers because many of these categorization now that we have a handle on one of the now that we've talked about the definitions of some of the important properties and grouped them based on end uses right like comfort or durability we need to talk about another way that we might group fibers in particular because these groupings can tell us something right away about the properties and end uses of the fibers within their group. So uh, I'll often think of the fiber classification like a tree, like a big gorgeous oak tree. I don't know if you've seen the oak tree that's outside the Family Consumer Science Building in our courtyard, but it's a huge old oak tree. And it has a big central trunk, but next to it growing almost equally and at a bit of an angle is a second central trunk. So it's like uh, two trees just right where they reach the ground, they're split. And in the same way, we have two main categories of fibers. Those that are naturally occurring as fibers and those that have been manufactured into fibers. Now notice, I'm not talking about naturally occurring substances because we can use naturally occurring substances to manufacture fibers. I'm talking about things that naturally occur as fibers, right? So the uh, ear of corn that I had last night for dinner, right? The sugar in that ear of corn out of the kernel, which is super sweet, I really enjoyed it, very tasty, the sugar from that corn could be used as the food for a bacteria that produces lactic acid and that lactic acid be, could be polymerized and made into polylactic acid, which is uh, has properties similar to many other kind of plastics, right? So that polylactic acid, or PLA, was manufactured from corn. But it wasn't in fiber form in the corn. No, the fiber in the corn was the corn silk that I picked from my teeth, right? Or better yet, the fibers that were in the husk of the corn leaves, the, the husk that surrounds the corn, right, that you peeled away. Uh, I let H-E-B do that for me. Uh, H-E-B is our big grocery store brand for non-Texans who are listening. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the fibers in that corn husk naturally occur as fibers. Yeah, yeah, we got to like beat the corn husk a little bit to get rid of all the extra stuff but we can get fibers. We don't have to do anything other than remove extra. And so that's very different than the sugar, which we use a long manufacturing process to make into fibers. 
So right away we have naturally occurring fibers and manufactured fibers. Uh, you'll notice that sometimes I just abbreviate manufactured as MF, right? Um, and that's because uh, manufactured menu coming from the hand, right? So made by hand um, is uh, awfully complicated and long to write. So sometimes I'm all just MF, okay? Uh, they have their, each, each of these categories have their pros and cons, right? The uh, natural fibers, which can come from plants or animals or minerals, um, are uh, asbestos is naturally occurring as a fiber. Um, and it is a mineral, but plants and animals are the main places we get it from. And uh, it requires some effort. It doesn't just fall from the sky as fibers. When we look at the archaeological record, we can actually find fossilized impressions of twisted pieces of grass. So we know that hominids, uh, human beings, or our um, ancestors, Neanderthals, for example, may have been taking... Uh, natural materials, plant materials, or obviously uh, animal materials, and using the fibers from them. And this is something that, that in a lot of ways we could we could actually say is the oldest human technology. People really like to focus on the, the, the stone tips that they may find, and that's because they last so well in the archaeological record. But that stone tip, how good is it if you don't have a, a small little piece of rope that you can use to tie that stone tip to your arrow right or to your spear so the textile the little piece of rope comes right in there um, we've all enjoyed Moana right um, consider the coconut and how we use the fibers the leaves uh, to uh, to give us what we need when I was in Honolulu I visited the the Museum of the Pacific uh, Polynesian uh, history there and they had an entire floor in this museum devoted to cords and mats so leaves that have been turned into ropes and baskets and floor coverings. And while I'm a textile lover like the next person, I was still uh, just bowled over by the amount of complexity and variation there was in taking some coconut leaves and making them into different things, right? So uh, uh, it takes human effort. It's not like we just get what we need because it's natural. We still have to remove the extras. I mentioned with the fibers from the corn husk or flax, right? The stem of the flax plant um, will release fibers, but we have to rot it to get rid of all the extra stuff. Um, even cotton, the fibers are super small. We have to process it to actually get what we need. And we have to harvest it, we have to brush off the dirt, wipe off the poo, if it comes from sheep, right? So it's not free, it requires some effort. And in some cases, the labor involved in the processing and the environmental impact of the processing means that it's easy to say, oh, it comes from nature, therefore it must be better. But it really depends on what scale you're using. And if by better, it means that you're uh, employing people, and I use the word employ loosely here, that you are not paying adequately children or people that should be in school or people that should be paid more, then, right, is that really better? So naturally occurring fibers have been with us for a long time, will continue to be with us. We love them for a reason. Manufactured fibers, on the other hand, can be made from naturally occurring materials, right? So we can take the sugar from the corn and manufacture a fiber. 
and it may require very little labor uh, once we have the source, right? So uh, if we think just for a moment about a, uh, an oil well, an offshore platform, right? Yeah, there's some people working there and that involves some labor. Uh, we get that petroleum out of the ground, do some fracking out in, in West Texas. But from there, uh, it's put into a chemical industrial system that actually doesn't involve that many people. It involves a huge amount of environmental impact right at the very beginning. And then after that, the environmental impact tapers off quite a lot because the materials used to manufacture fibers are often considered a waste byproduct of another target such as um, fuel. So uh, we can manufacture this fiber and because we are making it right from its, uh, from its cradle, from, from, from its original polymer structure, we can leave out anything unnecessary. We can make it exactly how we need it. And that could save a lot of water later uh, because we don't have to wash and clean it and we don't need to use water as a carrier for the dye, right? So um, it has some uh, benefits as well. This is one of the really challenging things with textiles. I wish it was just so easy to say, uh, uh, you know, like, um, like any kind of moral calculus that we would like. If I only do X, I'll be innocent of any responsibility. But it's just not that easy. Right? Every textile has some pros and cons, and you have to think through, why, why are we doing it this way? What are we getting out of it? What are the costs? Are the costs human costs? Are the costs environmental costs? Uh, are the costs that we produce a product that will literally never die, right? That 70s uh, pantsuit, a uh, little, I'm thinking of the one I just saw recently, a um, uh, little vest, right, with plaid, double knit, and a bell-bottom pants that fits no one because it's so incredibly tiny. And if you put it in a landfill, nothing will ever happen to it because it's just literally plastic. Um, yeah, that durability was considered a real good benefit back when the owner, who's now 92, was going to the disco, but now that they're not, right? So, um, yeah, something that's a, that's a benefit in the beginning can turn out to be a liability later on. We need to think about all these things. So two huge trunks of this tree, the naturally occurring as fibers trunk and the manufactured from natural or synthetic sources into fibers trunk. So on our tree, uh, we're going to consider for the semester uh, or for the length of this uh, course, if you're joining me just to kind of free will as a podcast listener, we're going to be considering uh, the, the big four in the natural side, which are cellulose and protein. And the big four are linen, cotton, silk, and wool. These all have ancient and venerable histories. We'll talk about minor cellulose, uh, naturally occurring fibers, quar, uh, kinaf. We'll talk about um, uh, camel hair and cashmere, uh, which occur uh, naturally as fibers uh, that are made from protein. Then we'll move on to the manufactured fibers. And here's where that tree example can be useful. The main trunk of the manufactured side of the tree splits in half pretty quickly. And we have the regenerated part and we have the synthetic part. And I think that it's important to understand the difference between regenerated and manufactured, uh, regenerated and synthetic fibers. But we're gonna say that for another day. Suffice it to say that in the synthetic side, we'll learn about another big four nylon, olefin, polyester, and acrylic. And in the regenerated side, 
right? So manufactured fibers uh, made from naturally occurring polymers. We'll learn about regenerated cellulose such as rayon and lyocell. Rayon includes the ever popular rayon from bamboo, not to be uh, uh, um, uh, ignored, rayon from eucalyptus, rayon from spruce, rayon from pine. Uh, and we'll also talk about lyocell, which is a much more environmentally friendly uh, fiber when compared to rayon from anything. And we'll also learn about acetate, what a marvel that is. So uh, I'm going to basically ignore the inorganic uh, fibers, fiberglass, uh, carbon fibers, and mineral fibers such as asbestos. Their end uses are so super specific. And many of the properties we talk about, things like absorbency, just don't apply. So they're kind of actually less fun. Now that we kind of know what we're talking about here, we're talking about fibers. Well, what are fibers? Fibers are um, long strands, right? Um, uh, I like to think of geometry here. If a point, right, is a is a, a mer and a polymer, then the line is the polymer. Gather all the polymers up, and you have a thicker line. That line is the fiber. The plane, the two-dimensional version, is the textile, and then the garment, the three-dimensional version, is the um, shape, the cube or, or whatever shape, right? So we go from a point to a line to a, a plane to a three-dimensional shape. But we're going to consider that very first original line, the linear material that we call fibers. There are lots of things that occur in linear form in nature. Lots and lots and lots of plants have fiber-like materials inside of them. But these fiber-like materials can't be used for textiles. Human beings, or our hominid ancestors, explored all of these relentlessly, but we're still exploring them. In order to use a uh, fiber uh, as a textile material, it needs to be long enough, strong enough, pliable enough, and we know what length and strength and pliability are. We've already talked about them a little bit in our previous discussion on fiber properties. But I'm going to add a new property here today, which is the property of cohesion. Co is together, right? So cooperate, uh, um, you know, co-mingle, right? So put it together. And then hesion is like stickiness, right? So an adhesive is something that sticks to something. You add it and it sticks. So cohesion means that they stick to each other, sticks to itself. Cohesion means that the fiber, when it touches another fiber of its, of its same self, actually sticks together just a little bit. There's just a little bit of drag, a little bit of grip, and that cohesiveness means that when you twist the fibers against each other ever so slightly, they grab each other, dig in, and when you try to pull them apart, you can't. You know what I mean, right? You could gather some stems of one plant, pull them up in your hand, make a bunch, twist them together, let go of them, and they'll just fall to the ground as separate stems. But you can grab the stems of another plant, a plant that maybe has some brambles on it, or maybe a, a almost um, nettle-like surface, right, with little tiny stingers on it, and you twist those together, and little stingers bite into the other stems, and you let go, and it actually remains a twisted lump, a, a, a stronger strand. None of the naturally occurring textile fibers are actually strong enough to do anything with them by themselves, right? Even silk, super strong. Spider silk, incredibly strong. We still talk about uh, uh, a group of them, the thickness of a pencil could pull a 747. Not a single spiderweb strand, right? Co-mingled with its fellows. 
could actually do, could have the strength that we need. So when we consider whether or not a naturally occurring fiber can actually be used to make textiles, we examine the length of the naturally occurring fiber. So if it's too short, it won't work. Uh, if it's not strong enough, if it just rips apart easily, it won't work. If it, when you bend it, if it breaks immediately, if it's too brittle, it won't work. And if it lacks cohesion, if it's too smooth, it won't work. So these are the properties that we need to have in order to turn any fiber into a textile. Uh, I'm going to end by saying that in our next set of discussions, we're going to be talking about the physical characteristics of the fibers, uh, so other ways to categorize the fibers, now that we have a handle on what we're talking about. So what we'll be learning next could apply to either natural or manufactured fibers, uh, just like the idea of cohesion could apply to either natural or manufactured fibers. We'll learn more about natural and manufactured fibers and go in depth uh, in future lectures, but uh, this one, just for now, we're focusing on what it takes to be a fiber. Mm -hmm.